If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to the first expert episode of 2023. Today, I am overjoyed to be joined by Dr. Daniel Amen, who is a revolutionary psychiatrist. He is nicknamed America's most popular psychiatrist. He has been studying the brain for over 32 years, and he has a proprietary way that he looks at your brain and can assess your health. He is a 12-time New York Times bestselling author. You have seen him on shows like The Kardashians. He has popularized looking at the health of your brain and i am so incredibly lucky i was able i met dr amen eight years ago at an event and it was a very touching story but um the day of the event he was speaking at an event with my dad and it also happened to be my two-year sobriety anniversary and i walked up to my dad before he went out for the event and i handed him my two-year sobriety chip and my dad got emotional started crying and dr amen so lovingly came up and asked like what the exchange just was because he said it was so touching and I had told him today is my two-year sobriety anniversary and he said I would love to look at your brain and so a few weeks later I was able to go in and have my brain scanned by him and when I tell you the amount of things that Dr. Amen was able to tell me about my life by just looking at my brain is quite mind-blowing he was able to see in my brain that I had a traumatic experience. And it was a traumatic experience that I had not fully realized that I had not validated in myself. I had not, you know, told very significant people in my life about this trauma. And the fact that he was able to see it in my brain gave me the validation I needed to get into therapy and really start looking at that. So I'm eternally grateful for Dr. Amen and just how he looks at the whole person. So we talk about what what happens when you're in love with your brain. What happens when you go through a breakup? He, you know, validates my idea of of no contact because it does. It sparks this thing in your brain that we're trying to let go of. We talk about how to take care of your brain and how to assess really busy, obsessive thoughts that go on. He shares some of his best practices. We talk about how to calm anxiety in an overactive brain. So 
I feel really lucky that Dr. Amen wanted to come on the show. And we also talk about supplements that actually can help with heartbreak, which who knew? I can't tell you that I knew that. So he listed a few of them that I will include in the show notes and head over to my Instagram today because I'm also going to be posting a picture of my brain scan, which was really cool. So anyways, enjoy the very famous Dr. Amen. Welcome, Dr. Amen, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is such an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to connect with you. Yes. So I was so lucky to meet you about eight years ago and to have a famous brain scan from the Dr. Amen. And I was just chatting with you that it was so impactful in so many ways, which I'll touch on a little bit. But I would love if you could you have such a unique thing that you do and such a unique thing that you're an expert in. And I would love if you could just give a little bit of a background of what you do and what you specialize in. And I mean, the way I can explain it is like when I had it done, it felt like you were a psychic in some ways. The things that you were able to see in my brain that you knew about my past was very mind blowing. So I would love if you could give a little background. So I'm a psychiatrist by training. And a lot of people don't know, psychiatrists are medical doctors. So I went to medical school and I started looking at the brain about almost 32 years ago and it changed everything I did. In fact, my mission now is to end the concept of mental illness because it shames people, it's stigmatizing. It's wrong. They're brain health issues. If I get your brain health, your mind is going to be so much better. Your brain creates your mind. Yet most psychiatrists never look at the brain. And so most people don't care about their brains. And it, I developed a term I love called brain envy. I want to want to have a better brain. I wanted you to want a better brain. And if you want a better brain, you don't poison I mean, you've really become much more thoughtful about what you ingest in your body, what you eat, what you drink, and so on. And I'm really trying to disrupt how psychiatric medicine is practiced. Most psychiatrists, you tell them your symptoms, they'll give you a diagnosis, which is basically a regurgitation of your symptoms, and then they'll try to drug you into submission. And I'm like, mm, maybe we should get you to eat right. <laughs> maybe yeah. we should get you the right nutrients. Maybe we should get you to stop hurting your brain. And then once you get the physical functioning of the brain right, you then have to program. So learning how to not believe every stupid thing you think. And I always think of my patients four big circles. It's like, okay, what's the biology, physical functioning of your brain? What's the psychology, how you think? What's the social circle and managing life? Like we're just coming out of a pandemic. We're talking about heartbreak. It clearly is a wound. And the spiritual circle, which most psychiatrists wouldn't touch, but I think it's just absolutely foundational. It's why do you think you're on the planet? What is your deepest sense of meaning and purpose? Are you here by random chance or is there some sort of creative design that puts you on the planet for a purpose? 
And when I get all four of those circles to work right, your life is just incredibly happier. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I heard you speak the first time, I think you said something along the lines of psychiatrists are the only doctor that don't look at the actual body part that they're treating. (laughs) And it makes so much sense of why would we not look at the brain when we're talking about our mental illness? And, And I did get that brain envy. So you did my brain scan when I had two years of, of sobriety and, and it was very clear. I mean, you could see the impact still that drinking had had on, on my brain. And I was able to see that. And I remember you said, if you stay sober, this will repair and looking at that it can heal and get better. And, you know, I would assume now at 10 years of sobriety, almost that I, that my brain would look a lot different. So it's so cool that we, can change by how we think, how we act, how we interact with others and interact in community. And it's very hopeful, I think, to be able to share that with people. Yeah, no, at some point, maybe we should check. But that's my experience. If you stop poisoning it and put it in a healing environment, it gets better. It's, you know, I wrote this book once called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, because I see you are not stuck with the brain you have, even if you've been bad to it, you can make it better. And I can prove it. I did the big NFL study when the NFL was sort of lying, they had a problem. And we had a big event for our foundation uh, a week and a half ago. And one of the people at the event was Dick Buckus. So the Hall of Fame linebacker from the Chicago Bears. I mean, you know, one of the most feared football players in history who probably gave a lot of brain damage, but had a lot. And he called me his brain savior. I love that because in hyperbaric chamber, the right supplements, obviously he's not hurting his brain anymore. At 80 years old, he's very sharp. And I'm just so happy for him. But, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I don't want to know what I did to my brain. Yeah, And that's sort of insane, because if you don't look, you don't know. And I often say, if you knew a train was going to hit you, wouldn't you at least want to try to get out of the way? Yeah. I mean, in my experience, what I had shared with you before was also very, very validating, because I think it's so easy to write off our emotions. But if you know, and in my case, it was trauma that was impacting my emotions that I kept pushing to the side and saying it's not that bad, or it wasn't that big of a deal. And then the fact that you were able to look at my brain and say, and I didn't tell you any of this. That's why I said it felt like a psychic. And you said, I can see that you've experienced a trauma. And for me, that was the validation that I needed to then take the steps to to heal that. And so I think for my audience of people going through heartbreak, the biggest question people wanted to know is what happens to the brain? when we're going through an emotional trauma or emotional turmoil? Is there something that happens? Well, I published a big study. There's 21,000 people looking at post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury and how imaging can separate them with high levels of accuracy. But when we have been traumatized and a loss is often a trauma and losses often unbalance people, like I often say, when you go through a divorce, people can get crazy for about six months. Yeah. And even if it's your idea, because we get attached in our brain 
to another person and they come to live in all the fun places in our head. And when they go away, either by death or by choice, your brain starts looking for them and the emotional circuits tend to become overactive. And there's this pattern, we call it the diamond pattern, where on scans, it looks like a diamond, which I saw on your scan. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wonder if you've had trauma. (laughs) Yeah. And EMDR, a specific psychological treatment for trauma, tends to calm down that diamond. I published a study on police officers who had that pattern after they were involved in shootings and they ended up all going back to work and it calmed down the diamond. That's exactly what I did. I did a year and a half of EMDR therapy and it was completely life-saving. But I think it's also interesting to to note that I think we can really compare different traumas. So, you know, you think of like a police officer who's going through trauma in their, you know, line of duty. And then you think of someone who's going through a divorce. If we looked at that from the outside, you would think that, you know, the divorce isn't that big of a deal in comparison, but in our brains, it doesn't necessarily know the difference. It's, it's there or it's not. Well, and divorce is a huge trauma. People get divorced diarrhea. You know, it's on that Holmes Ray life stress scale. I think it's in the top five and maybe the second one after like losing a child. It's big deal. Now, for some people, it's not that big of a deal. You go like, okay, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And people can do it amicably. Other people get surprised by it. Other people, you know, they're sort of desperately in love, but it's not a good fit. And it's incredibly painful. I mean, things like suicide go up when relationship bonds become broken. Homicide goes up. Yeah. Yeah. And to back up a little bit, is there a lot going on in the brain when someone is in love? Is I mean, I've heard it can it's like comparable to the same chemicals that we get from a drug. Absolutely. Yeah. I wrote a book once called The Brain in Love. And New love is like cocaine hitting the dopamine centers of the brain. It's like, whoa. And, you know, it's like all you can do is think about her or him or a bit obsessive. You can't sleep. You're sweating more. You have more goosebumps. It's like, whoa. And so it's why I always tell people during the cocaine phase, you know, maybe the first two to six months, don't get married. Don't get married. (laughs) Wait until it shifts (laughs) until, you know, it's like seven, eight, nine months and you've met his family or her family and you go, are we compatible? You know, those things you were sort of curious about initially, you know, let's just see if they're irritating or not. Yeah. You end up with the same values. Yeah. How they yeah. handle life stress and things like that. Do they teach you with respect? And do you feel happy when you're around them? Or do you feel off balance when you're around them? And, you know, people are so lonely. Loneliness is at epidemic levels that they'll often attach too quickly. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm not a fan of early sex. Because sex is bonding. And you make love with somebody and they're in that part of your brain, your judgment centers tend to get weaker. And so 
so I'm not a huge fan of casual sex because it can, I think, really disrupt your emotional brain. Yeah. Well, and you had mentioned, you know, in the brain after you lose a partner, you mentioned your brain looks for them, which I think is such an interesting way. I think that's such an interesting thing. And I think a lot of people going through breakups couldn't can identify with that, that they are looking for them. I hear this all the time, obsessive social media checking of needing to know what they're doing or whether that's looking for a new relationship to find a replacement for that. There are just so many ways that we're seeking that. And it's so interesting to know that that's starting in our brains. Well, because they live in every fun place. And so whenever you hear a song that you listen to with them, you can just start weeping. (laughs) Or you see a color that was their color, or you see a shirt, or there's a certain smell. And in The Brain and Love, I I talk about how to make yourself unforgettable to other people using neuroscience. But I'm like, if you're not serious, don't do this, because you will hurt them. Better to get a dog or a mouse or something else yeah. uh, than, you know, make yourself to someone who's on, make yourself unforgettable to someone you're not quite sure about. Yeah. And you had also mentioned that after a divorce or a separation that I think you said, like, we tend to make very like impulsive decisions. And I think I hear that a lot of, you know, I mean, you hear like, as harmless as someone cuts off their hair, or like changes their hair color, or we go to like, I'm going to move or change jobs. Or we, we tend to do like act out in certain ways, which is interesting, very similar to um, people in newly in who are newly sober. They tell you like, don't make any really big decisions in your first year of sobriety because, you know, your decision-making skills aren't necessarily the best is what's happening there when it's almost like we kind of lose part of our smarts after going through something like that? Well, in fact, you do. It's sort of like what happens with grief because losing somebody is a grief reaction. And the high levels of stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, they damage certain parts of your brain. So when I lost somebody really important to me about 17 years ago, I couldn't recall names. And But, you know, I was also, I was not sleeping well. My GI tract was working too hard. And, you know, I just couldn't sort of get the thought of her out of my head and made decisions that there's just no way I would have made when I was in my right mind. Yeah. And so um, grace is really important. Yeah. (laughs) Keeping your brain healthy during those times. That's why substance abuse during a breakup is particularly toxic. You know, you hate feeling bad. Yeah. And so you want to feel better and people feel better with marijuana or they feel better with alcohol or they feel better with mushrooms, but it's not really better. You're just pushing the problem off to another day. And so really focus on sleep and exercise and eating right and not jumping into another relationship to just soothe the pain. But a little bit of therapy, like EMDR. Yes. That's really interesting. I mean, obviously, I don't promote drinking as part of breakups because that's not something I do. But 
It's interesting too. I had told you I have a one-year-old son. And so part of being a new mom, my brain feels like it's gone as well. But it's interesting in breakups and new moms, there is a promotion of like wine nights and and lots of drinking. And but it's, you know, like you said, kind of kicking the can down the road. And it is interesting to know that if your brain's already in a vulnerable state, you wouldn't want to do anything that that harms it further. Well, and I'm totally not a fan of alcohol. You know, it's like, why would you drink a disinfectant? Yeah. How does that make sense? Right. During the pandemic, Jim Beam took its whiskey plants and turned it into hand sanitizer plants. And they thought they were doing a good thing for the country. And they were because hand sanitizer is way better than drinking what is ultimately a disinfectant. There is a book I like called Alcohol Lied to Me because you think, oh, this is going to help. But it really doesn't help. Yeah. It hurts in so many different ways that it hurts your metabolism. It hurts how your body detoxifies things. It hurts judgment and impulse control. So many of the breakups I see are directly related to alcohol use, that you had a couple of drinks and you said things you shouldn't say. I mean, we all have weird, crazy, stupid, sexual, violent, inappropriate thoughts, all of us, inappropriate thoughts. Well, when you drink, they get out. And the problem with the human brain is the other person remembers them. And it begins to cause this wedge between you and they're like, oh, I wonder if they really believe that. And yeah. That was so hurtful. And just because you have a thought doesn't even mean you believe it. It's just, you know, chemistry that happens in your brain, sort of like the storm that goes through your neighborhood. And But when those hurtful thoughts get out, they really begin to erode your Mm -hmm. relationship. Yeah. And I, your thing is don't believe all your thoughts, which I grew up, my dad was always a big like proponent of your thoughts are, they can just pass through. But is it true that in your, like they talk about in mindfulness, you can kind of just let your thoughts pass. But if you hang on, to, if you like grab onto them, start dissecting them, start obsessing on them, then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. You don't often say it's not the thoughts you have that make you suffer. It's the hmm. thoughts you attach to. Yeah. I have all sorts of crazy thoughts. I just don't attach to them. Or if I find that they're circling, I write them down okay. and then... I ask myself these five questions, like, is it true? I just did this. I have a show on YouTube and Instagram called Scan My Brain. And I saw a famous band member and he's like, I'm going to relapse. And I'm like, okay, let's do the questions. Is it true? And he said, I feel like I'm vulnerable. Okay. Is it absolutely true? With 100% certainty, you know you're going to relapse. He said, no. How do you feel when you have that thought? Anxious, scared, like I'm more likely to drink. How would you feel without the thought? Fine, happy, free. I'm like, oh, it's the thought that's driving it. So let's turn it around. I won't relapse. You have any evidence? That's true. Well, he's been sober 12 years. And so... I don't want people being afraid of their thoughts. Or I remember when I went through my breakup, 
uh, I would turn the radio up so loud so I couldn't hear my thoughts. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, no, no. Got to go into them. I like go into the pain. Don't block the pain. Because when you go into the pain, you realize it wasn't the right thing for me. And it's better this way. Don't call her. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give in to the bad behavior. Yeah. I mean, I treated my breakup like I treated alcohol, where like I can't have a drink on Friday nights because that won't lead to anything good. So for me, when I'm going through a separation, obviously it's different when you share children, but to me, seeing them on a Saturday for coffee would just send me right back into the feeling of the breakup. So, or, you know, having to go through it all over again when you are trying to let go of something, is there something that happens in the brain when if I see them or smelled them or, you know, kiss them or what happens a lot of times you get together and then all of a sudden they're sleeping together again. Is that something that re-triggers the whole process over again? It does. And so you have to be very careful with it. And sometimes some people recommend intranasal oxytocin. Because oxytocin hmm. is the bonding hormone, the cuddle hormone, the connection yeah. hormone. And sometimes when you lose somebody that's really important to you and you feel actual physical pain, because yeah. it's in the pain centers in your brain, that oxytocin can actually calm it, soothe it, help it. So there's something people can take to yeah, it's a hormone to trigger that. And okay. if you want prescription strength, you have to get it from a doctor. So yeah. you have to understand. But there's even over-the-counter oxytocin that you can buy that can be helpful just to relax you, decrease the obsession. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day -day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my 
favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I know you're a big proponent of supplements. I would love to hear, Is are there any, like, you know, people don't think supplements break up. We think supplements, gut issues, supplements that sleep, but are there supplements that can help maybe make up for the craziness that's going on in our brains after a heartbreak? Well, if you find yourself obsessed and yeah. your brain is sort of like a scratch, you know, it's sort of like a vinyl record with a scratch in it. And it's yeah. like you hear their name over and over and over again. The serotonin enhancing supplements can okay. help 5-HTP or my favorite is saffron. So the spice saffron has actually yeah. been shown in 24 randomized controlled trials to be equally effective to boost your mood as antidepressants. Wow. And it works in part by boosting serotonin. I make something. So obviously I am a proponent of supplements because yes. I own a supplement company, yes. BrainMD. And one of our best-selling products is called Happy Saffron. It's made with saffron, zinc, and curcumin's. And it's been found to be helpful for mood, but as opposed to the antidepressants, it doesn't decrease sexual function. It increases it. Okay. That's why I like it so much. It's been shown to increase sexual function, increase memory and increase mood. I'm like mood, memory, and sex. I think I'll yeah. take it. I well, released like it right, right as the yeah. pandemic started. Early in the pandemic was so hard. I lost my dad. I had to close my New York clinic. One of my young employees was on a ventilator for 10 weeks. It was so stressful. It was right at the time I released it. And I'm like, I think I'm going to take it. Yeah. And I've not missed it one day. And, you know, despite the craziness in our society, my mood's been really even. So that's amazing. I like it. Well, I think we're doing a better job now, but I think. There's so much like compartmentalizing that people think it's like, okay, if I'm having physical pain, then I address it this way. If I'm having mental health, then I just take the antidepressant. If I'm going through a breakup, I should just go to therapy. But like, I think you're so good at it's all connected and a lot of it like through our brain. So, you know, we wouldn't think that eating right during a breakup would be helpful. It's always like, go get ice cream, like go get a pint of Ben and Jerry's and that will help your breakup pain. But that's not that is just the, the case. worst advice because your microbiome, your gut health mm -hmm. is critical to brain health. Your gut and your brain talk to each other. And if you just throw a lot of bad dairy and sugar into your gut, it damages the microbiome, and then you don't act right. And then you need more ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's not in your best interest. When you're going through a breakup, my best advice is work really hard on getting your brain and body healthy. Because one, okay. I mean, you'll be way cuter for whoever yeah. might be next. <laughs> and two, you're going to be way smarter because your brain will work better so that you can make a better decision and perhaps have better discernment 
on is this person good for me or not and better behavior, right? Because when you go through a breakup, you should always go, okay, why didn't this work? Yeah. And be good at assessing not the right fit or my behavior could have been better. Yeah. Right. Because that's the only thing you can change. You can't change the other person. I mean, it's really easy to blame them and be a victim of them. But I always want to know, you know, what could I have done better? Well, it gives you that power. Yeah. You can't control another person. But if you know that you can own your own part, then that gives you the power to work on it and change it. What are some of your basic like tenants of brain health? I know you mentioned some of them, but like nutrition, what are some of the biggest nutrition tips you have for your brain? So the overarching message is three things. Brain envy, got to care about it. Okay. And I bet after you saw your brain, you cared much more. About yes. It. I still have a picture of my skin. I'll share it on my Instagram when this comes out. I love that. Yeah. So brain envy, got to care. Avoid anything that hurts it. Know the list and do things that help it. Know the list. And most, quite frankly, most seven-year-olds would get a 90% on the list. Okay. (laughs) So when it comes to food, I only want you to love food that loves you back. Because you're in a relationship with food. Yeah. Right? You only, you know, you and I have been in bad relationships in the past, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just yeah. not, I'm not ever going to tolerate someone that disrespects me. I'm not. And I'm not going to tolerate myself being disrespectful. At work, I have something called the no asshole rule. I don't get to be an asshole and neither do you. I yeah. just won't tolerate it. But the no asshole rule starts with me. <laughs> it needs yes. to start with me. Yeah. But, you know, so both of us have been in bad relationships. Well, I've been in a bad relationship with food in the past. You know, I love food that didn't love me back. And I'm like, no, that's not smart. What's smart is to realize you're in a relationship with food and only eat things that serve me that I like rather than hurt me. So like I love sugar, but sugar doesn't love me. So I've learned to see sugar as the enemy. It's pro-inflammatory, it's addictive, it has no good calories in it, and it'll just make me feel bad. So why am I going to do something to make me feel good in the moment, but bad in the long run? It's sort of like an affair. It's like, oh, make you feel awesome and then devastate your life. And I'm much older than you. I'm 68. And I want to get younger every day. I don't want, because I've seen a lot of old people's brains. No, I don't like that idea at all. So what can I eat? And so if you think of a plate, 70% of it should be plant-based foods because they're filled with plant medicines and fiber. And about 30% high quality protein. And then within that, mix in a lot of healthy fat because 60% of the solid weight of your brain is fat. So healthy oils, nuts and seeds, avocados, green leafy vegetables, olives, olive oil, love. And I eat really well 
what I love that loves me. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. It's I actually saw this online the other day of like, you know, I'm not lactose intolerant, but there's so many people who like are like, okay, this time it'll be different if I eat this. And it's like, we do the same thing in relationships. This time dating this kind of person will be different or getting back together with an ex this time it will be different. And it's like, we do know what works for us. I mean, obviously there takes some exploring, but once we know, we know. And I think so many of us try to think like this time will be different or we, we forget what things do to us or what certain people do to us. And people always ask me like, how do I have more self-love? And yes, there's an element of that, of practicing affirmations and doing those things, but it really starts with taking care of your body, showing yourself, I love myself enough to get sleep, to exercise, to eat well. And that's how I'm going to like feel more loving towards myself because I'm showing myself love. It's totally doing the right thing is all about love. Drew Carey, the famous comedian who lost a lot of weight, said something so profound. He said, eating crappy food isn't a reward. It's a yeah. punishment. And when you begin to understand that, you're like, oh, when I do the right thing, it's a sign of love. When I do the wrong thing, it's the sign of acting like a child. <laughs> in a way and so your oldest is one yeah yeah i only have one he's one and so here's a rule so i'm also a child psychiatrist here's a rule now probably not until he's two and a half but here's yeah. the rule from two and a half on if you have a temper tantrum to get your way the answer is no it's always going to be no go ahead and throw it and just be curious and watch what happened but never give in to it but people give in to their own internal temper tantrums yeah. all the time. I should have that affair or I should have sugar or come on. I should uh, call my ex. I should call my ex. Yeah. And when you give in to that tantrum, you make the behavior more likely to happen, right? So if we take your son and he throws a big fit in the grocery store to get ice cream, and you go, no, 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 no. Yes, you've just taught him he has to throw a wicked tantrum to get his yeah. way. But if you just stick with it, which is love, no, no. If you don't stop, there's going to be serious consequences when you get home and then follow through. Then mm -hmm. you're going to raise someone who's resilient and responsible who can manage themselves. But so many people today grew up with helicopter parents who just did everything for them. And they yeah. their level of self-discipline isn't great. And so they tend to give in to their own temper tantrums. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to this idea of what you talk about, like rewiring your brain. So, you know, if you're so used to, okay, I pick up my phone and I... I text my ex. Let's just say that. Like every morning I'm used to getting up and sending a text to them. I mean, obviously this is probably different for everyone, but how long does it take to like change a habit, rewire your brain in a way that you don't automatically pick up your phone or you don't automatically go to the store and head to ice cream or whatever? Well, they say 21 days, but the truth is for some people it's five days and some people it's 300 days. It really depends on how your brain is wired. But the more you do the new behavior, the more you 
can do, the new behavior. One of my daily behaviors, I have a new book coming in March called Change Your Brain Every Day. I'm so excited. I don't have it. I wish I did. But change your brain every day. And what I realized is brain and mental health, like spiritual health, like physical health, daily practices. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite exercises before I go to bed every night is I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And I start at the beginning of the day looking for what I liked about the day. And, you know, I'm so busy that I have lots of cool things happen, but I often just don't pay attention to them. And I love that exercise so much because it's like going on a treasure hunt and I put myself to sleep with what went right, which means my dreams are better. And I wake up the next day in a better mood. And then I start with today is going to be a great day. And then I look at what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And May 5th of 2020 was probably the worst day I had in the last 40 years since my grandfather died. That was a really awful day. My dad died that day. And it was an awful day. And still a bit traumatized by all the things that happened. And I remember going to bed that night and I said a prayer and I went, what went well today? And you know, the critic inside my head went, seriously, we're going to do this today. But it's my habit, right? I mean, I'd been doing it for years. And then I thought about this really funny interaction between my mom and the police officer. And I thought about all the people who texted me with love. And I thought about holding my dad's hand before they took him to the mortuary and how just how soft it was. And then I went to sleep. Because when you put these daily habits in your life, they can save you when you're going through hard times. That's really, really beautiful. I actually, I have a group of friends. We started at the beginning of the pandemic, we started a group text where every morning we send each other five things that we're grateful for. And we've kept it up for almost three years now. And it's been a really important practice for me because then you start during the day you're like oh I'm gonna put that on the list you start rewiring it to think of like to look out for things during your day you're like okay I can write this on my list tonight or tomorrow morning so I think that's that's awesome the last thing that I wanted to ask you about and what I hear a lot about is anxiety of you know people who just feel like their brain can't shut off at night because of all the thoughts, they're constantly in fear of, am I ever going to find someone ever again? All of a sudden, they're anxious at work. They want to just stay home. What tips do you have for anxiety or you know, when someone's brain is on overdrive? Oh, so many things. So never let it stop you from okay. doing something important or it will control you. Okay. Like if you're having a panic attack at a party, don't leave. Because if you leave, it will now control you. Yeah. And then the 15 second breath. So important. I teach all of my patients diaphragmatic breathing, which is basically breathing with your belly. So when you breathe in, keep your chest still. Let the energy of breathing go lower in your body. And this pacing works great for my patients. Four seconds in, so take a big breath. Hold it for a second and a half. 
eight seconds out. So twice as long to breathe out as you breathe in. It'll trigger automatic relaxation response. Hold it for about a second and a half. Repeat that 10 times. It'll break. Virtually every time someone has done that, it breaks a panic attack. Okay. How exciting is that? That's like so yeah. simple. So many people go to the emergency room because they think they're having a heart attack and get Xanax that they're now addicted to and causes dementia. And I'm like, no, let's do the breathing first. So don't leave, breathe, write down what you're thinking and yeah. then go through those questions. Is it true? I'll never find someone. Is that true? You don't know. You might yeah. find someone tomorrow. And I actually like you take the original thought that's bothering you. I'll never find someone. Flip it. I will find someone. And then meditate on the opposite of the thought mm. that's bothering you. And if all of that doesn't work, theanine. A huge fan. Okay. I make something called theanine gummies. And they're sugar-free. And it's got a whole bunch of theanine in it. And theanine from green tea has been found to cause people to relax and actually be a bit more focused. So okay. you just feel calmer. Other supplements, ashwagandha, magnesium, GABA can all be helpful. Okay. I share this story before this was pre-sobriety. I was in the hospital for a drinking episode and I woke up and I had a panic attack and I was in the hospital and they gave me a brown paper bag to breathe into <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> But it's just so funny. You would think that they would, you know, give something a little stronger for that. But a brown paper bag did the trick. So breathing does really help. And I'm going to make a list of all these supplements that you referenced in the episode and link those because I think that's we're so quick to go to stronger medication when supplements can make such a big difference. And why wouldn't we before we go to something that potentially could hijack your life? Yeah. Well, Dr. Raymond, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I've been such a big fan of you for so long. So I'm very happy that I get to share you with this audience. And, and I hope everyone checks out your new book coming out. You said in March. Change your brain every day. It's okay. 366 short essays on the most important things I've ever said with a little brain healthy habit attached to each one. Love that. And you have so many books that are already out. So what's the best website for people to find all your books and supplements and, and everything that you provide? Amenclinics.com. So okay. amen, like the last word in a prayer, clinics.com. Okay, great. Well, I will link that in the show notes here. And thank you so much again for coming on. What a joy. Such a joy to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass, I promise. 